And so I'm looking and I'm seeing gradually this mist, which has started almost like a sort of sparkle over the surface, the dark green background of the hedge. And then it became over a few seconds, I think, the misty, filled in misty outline of this very tall being that was about seven, maybe eight feet tall, very thin torso, long, thin arms, long, thin legs. And I could see everything. I could see the full detail outline of the body, the head, the neck. My guest today is Sinead Wellihan, although, uh, who, although you may not realize it, is profoundly deaf and has experienced paranormal phenomena since the age of four. She had her first conscious encounter with the visitors, or as some prefer, extraterrestrials in 2017, and these contact encounters have continued since then. Sinead has worked as a research and interview assistant for the renowned UFO researcher Grant Cameron for two years and is currently assisting Barbara Lamb, who specializes in QHHT and regression therapy with people who experience encounters. Sinead, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ron. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Sinead, normally at this point, I ask people for some background about their life before their first paranormal experience. But since yours started so early at the age of four, how about we start there? Sure. This is an experience I had that I didn't think anything of except that I couldn't forget it. And it kept coming back into my memory and into my senses as well in a way that made me realize that this is something that had really affected me on some level, but not that I remembered it over and over and over again. And it was almost like, I don't know, there was just something about it. There was something about it that I felt like, oh, I'm supposed to keep my attention on this event and remember that this happened. So then years later, when I, actually very not that long ago now in 2019 when I met Grant Cameron and I started talking to him about my experiences and about what had very at that point very recently happened he was the one who said to me hang on a second when did you really start having experiences and so I thought okay you know I sort of kind of by backward mapping my life it really all started so there were three things that happened that year that were a big deal one of them was that I got my first hearing aid. I was diagnosed with hearing loss and given my first hearing aid. And so my sensory experience of the world became a lot more interactive, more keen, more vibrant. And I just felt like my brain woke up on some level that it had not been quite awake on before. And then also I became very ill and I had scarlet fever. It was burning up with fever, but I felt fantastic. And I felt like I didn't feel sick at all. I felt actually probably the best I've ever felt. That's also something I've remembered over then, ever since thinking. That really was an interesting experience because I felt very sharply aware and very sharply keen about everything that was in my environment and every sensory experience that I was having of my environment, which was just my bedroom. That it just felt that much more, I don't know, hyper alive. The color, the textures, the scent, even the sound of quiet, because it was in the middle of the night, it just was very keen and very sharp and clear to me. And I felt energized. I felt like I was very aware, very conscious, and very aware of everything. So that was an interesting experience. And then the third thing that happened was I, one night, just had this really strong feeling, almost like a compulsion, that I should try sleeping with my feet where my head usually was, and my head where my feet usually were 
And my father was putting me to bed. So I remember him thinking, oh, okay, it's a little bit funny, but all right, let's do this. So he helped me set up my bed. I remember as I was about to get into the bed and sleep so-called upside down, I remember feeling there's something about this doesn't feel good. Like I feel this sense of apprehension. It was a little bit of fear, a little bit of apprehension. And yet I felt compelled, no, I have to do this for whatever reason. And so I insisted to myself that I sleep like that. I did not tell my father how I was feeling. So my father said goodnight to me. He left the room. And then I was wide awake because I felt very alert, like there was something going on. And the first thing I noticed was that the atmosphere of the room changed, so it became electric. And I felt the pressure in the room change. The atmosphere just shifted. It was different. And I felt like there was a presence there. And then what happened was it was the funniest, oddest experience because it felt so real. And I was awake. I had not fallen asleep. This was not long after my father left the room. So there was this being that was behind me. Like I actually felt it. And my whole body was tingling. All the hairs on my arms and on the back of my neck were standing straight up. And I was absolutely terrified. I could feel this being breathing at the back of my head and the presence of it there. Just like as if there was a real person, a real human being behind me. It was that clear, that feeling of presence. And then it started laughing at me and it started fading out of the wall because my bed was in the corner of the room. So it was right up against the wall and I had my back to the wall at this point. So at first it felt like this thing, this presence that felt very alive and aware and conscious of me and conscious that I was there and that I was doing this deliberately for some purpose. And so then it started laughing at me and I felt like the laughter was mocking me and that scared me even more. But, and so I was rigid with fear. I was not paralyzed. This was not sleep paralysis. I was rigid with fear, but not frozen. I was able to move. I was just terrified. And finally got my guts together, so to speak, and turned over really fast to see if something was there. Of course, there was nothing there, but I just knew that what had happened had just happened. And so I ran downstairs, then I had freed myself up from this being locked into this fear. It was a very intense sensory and auditory experience. I felt the being fading through the wall, going outside, but still being able to see me through the wall as if there was a space in the wall where I could see through. That's what I was seeing in my mind. And then it just floated away into the night sky, still laughing, and then just disappeared. And that's when I was able to have the courage to turn over. So the only thing that I've ever heard that made any sense to me about what explained that was actually as a result of doing the interview with Jeff Mara, which you saw, or Jeff, the Jeff Mara podcast, which you saw. And someone wrote in the comments that they had heard of this happening with elementals, that elementals can have that trickster element where they'll try to spook you or get you unsettled and it's very mischievous, but they don't mean any harm by it. And they will often come through surfaces, come through walls. That's very common to them, apparently. And that they will say or do things to jolt your reality. And I come from a Celtic background. I grew up in a family where my father talked freely with me about fairies and elves to encourage my imagination, right? And to, to give me a feeling of believing in magic when I was a kid. But I certainly never imagined seeing fairies in real life or elves in real life, or this was not something I'd ever said. So it was only this one and only time 
that this particular thing happened. I ran down the stairs to my parents it was at nighttime after this happened, right? Ran down the stairs, told them what happened. Very scared. And they were like, oh, don't worry. It's a bad dream. They thought, of course, that I had fallen asleep and dreamt that this had happened. I don't blame them for that. I would have thought the same thing. But I knew it wasn't. I knew I had been wide awake and I knew this had occurred. And sure enough, as soon as I put myself back in my regular position to sleep, I felt fine. I felt relaxed. The atmosphere in the room felt normal. And I fell asleep. I was four. Kids have active imaginations. For the longest time, I thought, wow, I had a really <laughs> active imagination. But it really did stick with me in this way that made me feel like, no, there's something else about that. There's something, because I imagined lots of things very vividly, but that really stayed with me through my teen years, my 20s, my 30s. I revisited it so many times. And so I knew that it was significant, but I didn't know why. It was just this feeling that I, there's something about this I need to know. So I still don't have any answers about it, but I do feel like that experience somehow broke something open or made a crack occur in my reality or something. It just felt like a shift occurred. And I remember just feeling different after that. I had a different feeling about the world. I felt like maybe there are things that we, not that we can't see, but there's other things going on that we don't understand. Yeah. Just having that sense. It's interesting. There's two things I thought of when you mentioned elementals, <clears throat> my skin crawled a little bit because I thought, well, oh, that, that's actually, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing that, that let's call it the trickster reminds me of is when people talk about their experiences with DMT, with the psychedelic DMT, and talk about the machine elves. Mm -hmm. And I've had one DMT experience myself and I encountered these little trickster guys and it's such a common theme. But it does make me wonder whether they just have a different <clears throat> emotional makeup. I've heard people talk about, especially with visitor experiences, where the visitors aren't really meaning as harm, but some people actually are harmed and have these horrifying experiences because they just don't have emotions that work the same as what ours do. And it just makes me wonder, to them it was like they were just having some fun, but for you it was pretty terrifying at the time. I agree with that. It makes me think of, this is an analogy, an analogy I've used before to try to explain that kind of thing. Perhaps even when it comes to extraterrestrial abduction situations, although I would never try to define that experience because I've never had that happen. But I know there are many people who really feel this has happened to them. But I imagine it to be something like you take your animals to the vet. You have pets that you love and you care for. And they need to be seen by a vet every once in a while or by some kind of animal doctor, homeopathic or whatever your preference is. And so you need to bring them into this other place, take them out of the environment that they know, which is very controlled for cats, especially. And you take them out of this environment, you put them into a box and you take them someplace that looks, smells and sounds completely unfamiliar, where there's a whole bunch of sensory input that is really overwhelming. And then they get poked and prodded. They're on a long silver table. There's a lot of white lights and bright white walls and huge beings they don't recognize poking at them. There really is a lot that is similar to what you just said in terms of people having paranormal experiences. And of course, when we take our animals to the vet, it's for their good. It's for their best interest. We want to take care of them. We want to make sure they're healthy. We want them to be looked after properly. 
in their experience, that's not what's happening necessarily. They could be completely freaked out, feeling like their space is being invaded or they don't understand what's going on or whatever. But we know that this is for their good, yet that's not their experience. So to me, that is a very common experience with a lot of people who have paranormal things happen to them, especially if they appear to be scary or foreboding or just in some way dark or whatever you want to call it. It is interesting how these things occur because there are lots of patterns and there are lots of ways in which people's paranormal experiences are connected across the world and through history. Many similarities, a remarkable number of them actually. Through time, regardless of background, culture, religion, whatever. At the same time, there are so many anomalies and there's so many ways that they come through that are very individual for people and very personal for people as well, which is the part that I find really fascinating, the personal part, because that to me is what lends to what I think personally this is all about, of hum human evolution, like the evolution of our consciousness. I don't think that we are our bodies. I don't think that this is the only life we ever get. And I think all these experiences are here for a purpose, just like everything else is here for a purpose, which is to benefit us in some way if we are able to make use of it. And I'm not saying it's all positive. Everyone has different experiences, but for me, it's only been positive. I've definitely benefited from that. And I think a lot of it has also to do with mindset and perspective, what we draw towards us. I think we have some control over that. And we have some choice and decision also with how we address things that happen to us that we may not be drawing towards us. We still have a choice with how we respond to that and what we choose to take from it to grow, right? I don't know. It just lends to a whole bigger conversation about, sorry, about what we're doing here and our purpose on earth and our, the purpose of human life. So when you said you were, it was like you were cracked open, it, it sounds to me, it's a bit like for all the near-death experiences that I've had on the channel, there's, for the majority of them, something was opened in a similar way. And... To me, it seems almost like you now have access to get sensory input from different levels of vibrations. The way I think about it now is that as a general human experience, you can experience things that are certain vibrations to do with our sight and sound, etc. But there are other different wavelengths of vibration that we don't have access to that are more in the non-physical realities. And it's like somehow you've got a tune-up. And this is what happens to people when they have near the experience. A lot of them get a tune-up and now suddenly they are much more aware of things that the everyday person is completely blind to. I think that's what's happened with you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. That's interesting to hear. It's also interesting to hear how my story, just like anyone's story, how it lands for people. Because with anything that we experience, I think there's multiple ways of looking at it, right? For some people, my story is too far out. It's just way too far out. It's too woo. It's too whatever. That's fine. I totally understand that. Other people think this is exactly like them. It validates their experience. They get support by hearing it. That's wonderful. But I think with telling stories, it's not even for it to be understood and heard and accepted by everyone because it's just not going to be. It's rather to push boundaries a little bit, make people a little uncomfortable and also share things that are of value, I feel, to other people who I also benefit from when they share. Like just spreading this kind of conversation and this kind of thinking because life is about so much more. <laughs> it just is about 
a lot more than I ever thought it was. And I thought that was complete bull. I really did. I thought that a lot of things that I have now directly experienced, I thought were complete nonsense. And that wasn't exactly accurate. Do I completely understand all of it? No, but it's helpful to me when people like you get the feedback like that. It helps me to understand a bit more about what is landing for other people, what's translating. And then that helps me with digesting my own story too. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I wanted to get into your ET experiences that began in 2017, but did you have anything else paranormal occur after your initial experience at four? Yeah, I did. And I just didn't realize what they were. I really was very disconnected from myself. And I think that's common for a lot of people, considering the conditioning and the messages that were given in society and culture about what's okay, what's not okay. So yes, I did. But nothing that I can say, this was amazing because for the simple reason that I wasn't really able to pay attention to them. But they, they landed. I definitely, oh, actually, there is one that I could mention which was between the ages of nine and 11, I got a whole bunch of the best word I can, I have been able to find to describe the experiences downloads. And that was actually huge. I was wrong. There were a lot of things that happened that were impactful. It's funny how you forget these things sometimes because there's a lot of trying to figure it all out and it's not necessarily in a linear way. Anyway, so when I was nine, about, an, about age nine to age 11, I had these many downloads that a lot of which would happen, most of which would happen in the doorway between my kitchen where I would eat breakfast every morning at the back of the house, looking out into our back garden. That doorway that went from the kitchen into the living room, for some reason it would happen in the doorway. And now I think that's interesting. Back then I didn't think anything of it at all. I just would feel like I had to stop in the doorway and then I would just get this download. And it was in my mind, it looked like a tube of light, which is weirdly stereotypical, but honestly, this is what it felt like in my mind, this tube of light. And then this concept that was not a normal concept for a nine-year-old to come up with would just arrive in my mind. And it was a complete whole concept and I would completely understand it. And there was also this experience of there being what I call, I can't find a better term for this, or I haven't yet, front me and back me. So front me was nine-year-old me who had just had oatmeal for breakfast and was wearing jeans and a t-shirt and was getting ready to go to school. At nine-year-old me that was in the 3D, firmly in this dimension, right? This reality. Back me was also me, but understood absolutely everything that was going on. And I was aware of feeling that in the moment that I would have these downloads, there was a part of me that's, this is just happening. Okay. It doesn't feel bad. It actually feels really good. Wow. This concept is really interesting. This is really neat. But then I would have to just continue on with my day, right? Because I would be literally about to leave for school and I had to function. And my mom is hollering at me from the front door and my little brother is there and there's lunch bags and shoes and we got to go, right? But then back me was in no rush and she just was able to fully integrate and understand what was going on. And I was aware of her understanding it. And I was also aware of me having to go ahead to function in my daily life. Does that make sense? That is so interesting. So yeah. A few things that I noticed there, the downloads, I don't know if you've read any of Robert Moreau's books, 
Journeys Out of the Body was the first one he wrote. He wrote three different books. Robert Monroe founded the Monroe Institute, which is in Virginia. Yes. Sorry. Yes. And so he, obviously he documented his experiences. That was what his books were all about. He talked about rotes. So rotes were like packets of information that contained everything. So when he was in a non-physical reality, then he would be given these rotes. And you can imagine it, the way I imagine it, it was like a kind of a ball gets thrown at you and the ball unfurls into your mind and it contains everything all at once. So it's information, it's sensory input, it's a whole bunch of stuff all at the same time. So that's what I heard when you were talking about getting those downloads. And at the doorway, it's almost like it was a portal. There was something different about the vibration of space and time in that particular spot that allowed that to, to occur in that particular place, which is pretty, pretty unreal, right? Yeah, I still am puzzled by that as well. And I used to have this is another experience that I was wrong because I do remember this after age four, which was having this happened several times. I would say this happened maybe around seven or eight times in total. That's in my memory from long ago, but I, I can remember seven or eight times. There was one time in particular. And so what would happen was I would see the future, basically. I would get this image, very clear, very detailed image in my mind of something totally ordinary, just a scene. And usually would have people I knew or someone I knew in this scene doing something completely normal. And then I would have this feeling when this would occur as if really as if time would freeze. So time would freeze. I would see this image. I would have this sort of electrical feeling this distinct feeling, almost like having touched an electric fence or something like that. And then, and then it would unfreeze and the feeling would start to go, the electrical feeling. And then later on, at some point, that exact scene would appear in my actual life, like down to the tiniest detail. And so this happened once when I was sitting next to my half aunt, my mother's half sister, on a bench in a park. She actually lived in Australia for a number of years, for about 30 years. And uh, this is the first time that I realized that there's a lineage of women on my mother's side of the family who have abilities. And I never thought to tell my mother any of the things that were happening to me prior to this. I was 11 years old, 10 or 11 at this point. So I'm sitting next to, the next to my aunt on the bench and I have this experience where I realize, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I saw. It, I'm seeing in real life what I saw, whatever, two months ago. And it was happening in front of me with my brother on a seesaw and the trees blowing a certain way, my brother wearing certain clothes and his leg falling off the seesaw in a, in a certain way. It was just exactly what I had seen. And I got this jolt of a bit of shock from it. And my aunt noticed. And she looked at me and she asked me if I was all right. And I looked at her and I realized, oh, my God, she knows. It was this major moment of validation for me huge moment. And I've talked with her about it since in recent years and told her how important that moment was to me. And she said, don't worry. She didn't even, I think she asked me what had happened. And I tried to explain it the best that I could. I don't know what I said. And then she said, don't worry. It's okay. This runs in our family. It's okay. And then my fear about it was gone. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know how to make any sense of it at all. But I just felt very reassured by knowing that someone in my family recognized what was happening in that moment without me having to say anything. 
and knew just the right thing to say. And it was so reassuring. So I did have a few key moments of experiences after age four, that's for sure. And then for a long time, absolutely nothing that I was aware of. I was very unhappy for a long time. And then in 2017, it all started to change. I think you said something very pertinent there was that you were very unhappy. So if I think about that in terms of vibrations, so your vibration was quite low. So in my mind, it stands to reason that your access to these different other higher levels of vibration, you just weren't able to connect because you, you weren't tuned on that frequency. There was yes. something you said about if front me and back me. The way I understood that was, so front you is the you that's here and everybody's got their own concept about this, but mine is that there's a greater part of us, uh, and we'll call it an oversoul for one of a better word, that exists outside of time and space. And it was like, I certainly don't have awareness of this, but I've met people, and I think you're included, is that you have an awareness of this greater other part of yourself that exists outside of this reality, which you called back me. And so there is no time in that place where back me exists so it sounds like you had this you were able to divide your focus between the two and even actually have a point of focus in both places at once this is something that tom campbell the author of my big toe talks about where and he was also a graduate of the the monroe institute where the ability to shift focus from this physical reality to a different reality and then over time he learned how to just really just divide his consciousness between the two and i think he still does that i don't think he talks about it a great deal but he exists in two separate realities. He's got his current consciousness and then the other consciousness that exists outside of that. He can be having a completely different experience conversation and he's able to hold the both in the space of his mind at the same time. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially I'm very curious about what's the newest thing that's being learned or explored in science, for example. And one of those things is multidimensionality, right? Quantum physicists are really deeply exploring that as a very real possibility. How does that fit into it? And then how does the concept of the higher self in terms of all of us, be, I mean, this is a concept that's in, essentially in every single religion in the world, which I think is fascinating, even though they all think that they're the right one and that they all have the right answer. They all are essentially saying the same things. And one, one of them is we are all God or God is in us, right? God is inside us and yet we are also human and not God. So that's exactly the same thing as people in the spiritual community saying, we are all one. We are all connected to source. We are all connected to the universe. We are all connected to whatever you want to call it, the everything. Yet we are also individual. It is both. Right. And plus, I really, the more I live, the more I really firmly believe that we live in a dimension that is made up of duality. I think absolutely everything in this dimension is dualistic. And so that includes ourselves, right? And includes our experiences. That is, I think, the whole, the W-H-O-L-E of our lives, of our experience here is all of it. So there's, so, I'm getting a little bit off on a tangent here. It just, it connects to everything. That's how I look at it, right? These experiences that we're talking about in this conversation that we're having seems to be very specific and for a certain audience and only applies to a certain field but it actually connects to so many other things that like quantum physics, like current science, like what's happening with psychedelics, right? There's psychedelics are now being taken very seriously by really reputable researchers, scientists, schools of medicine, universities, mm. laboratories, 
it just connects to so many other parts of our lives. I find that really fascinating. And that's one of the downloads that I got when I was nine was about interconnectedness. They gave it to me, whoever they are, gave it to me by showing me that the act of me eating breakfast at the table that morning was going to affect a child. And I saw this other child in my head sitting at their table somewhere in Africa, in a country in Africa. And I just knew that somehow that idea was true. It just made sense. I saw it as this kind of ripple of endless tiny little after effects that would make it all the way across to that other child in Africa. And we're not aware of that, but it, I really think that's true. Like, like we send out signals, vibrations, and impacts on our environment every single day that are so tiny that we don't think about them. It's very energetic. It's very minute. But this has been proven with, in so many different kinds of studies, how important vibration and energy is, like with the water molecule studies by that mm. one Japanese scientist who I'm now forgetting. Oh, my gosh. Mishiko. Oh, gosh. I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, uh, it just... I know the one you mean. Thank Yes, thank you. Just that these conversations seem to be so esoteric, but I'm not actually sure they really are. They seem to be supported more and more by what's happening at the forefront of science, medicine, earth sciences, botanicals, biology. Yeah, just an endless number of other ways that human intelligence, thought, and exploration is demonstrated. Did you find his name? Yeah, it was Dr. Masaru Emoto. Oh, yes. Water consciousness. Yeah, I haven't actually, I've heard about it, but I've never actually read that study, but I will now. Oh, it's fascinating. So fascinating. Yeah. yeah. There's so many things that sound like complete BS. Send a thought out and it'll do something. People go, oh, yeah. If you look at the science of what his project achieved, they prove that it has an effect on actual physical material, water. It just, I find that really fascinating that this kind of information comes up over and over again in so many different ways from a person in Toronto, Canada, from, to a person in Australia, to just so many other expressions of the fact that there is more, there's just more than we think to reality. Yeah, I, I completely agree. All right, so let's jump forward to 2017. And I'm glad that you remembered some things after the age of four. So that, that's really good. But yeah, tell me about, this is where things really changed a lot for you, it seems. Let's hear about that one. Yeah, I was really struggling. I was really unhappy in my life. And I was really feeling very disconnected from myself. And for a very long time, I had been thinking, I want to get back. I want to get back to how I was as a child. This became a really big goal for me. And it kept almost inserting itself into my thoughts, almost like being tapped on the shoulder by an insistent adult who's looking out for you. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. That's what it felt like. Don't forget about this. Don't forget about what you used to be able to do, what you used to be able to experience, what that felt like. That's really you. And so I always really felt this feeling that was really me, right? That space of where all those things were really happening. That's true me. And I needed to get back there. So by the time 2017 rolled around, I was not in that place. I was feeling very disconnected from myself. I was in a career that was exhausting me, teaching in public school. And I love students and I'm very passionate about education. I love kids, but the system is exhausting for teachers. I'll leave it at that. So 
I was really struggling with that. I was struggling in my personal life. I was struggling with my connection with myself. And I felt, who am I? Like, how did I get here? Why, how did I end up in this place where I'm so unhappy and I don't know who I am anymore or what I want, or I don't enjoy my life. I want to get back there. How do I do this? And in a very synchronistic kind of way, the opportunity to go to Peru came up and it all happened incredibly easily. It came together really easily. And I ended up in Peru in July of 2017. So basically, I had many experiences on that trip, on that three-week trip to Peru. I had many experiences that were deeply spiritual, felt somewhat unusual, were not just me wishing or hoping or being blissed out by the beauty of the place or something like that. It was really, I felt like something was happening to me and I felt myself. I felt very myself in a way I had not felt for a long time. And I felt that pretty much immediately after I got off the plane and I couldn't understand why. I just felt great. <laughs> as soon as I was in Peru, I was on that land. I just felt wonderful. And it was not the excitement of being on a trip because I'm a seasoned traveler. It was something about how I felt. And so then all kinds of different things happened on that trip. Help me understand why I felt that way. And one of them was, and this is the one that I have the hardest time digesting because it just being so completely out there. And a lot of people who hear this story, they immediately think, oh, she was on drugs and that's why this happened. It's not like that. It was involving ayahuasca and ayahuasca retreat. And ayahuasca, if used properly, like any other psychedelic, it can be for very spiritual, very healing, very meaningful experiences and transformative experiences for people. It's not a party drug. It has been abused as such. It should not be. It should be respected as being much, much more profound than a party drug. And so I am not somebody who takes drugs. I just want to say that because people comment on this literally every time I talk about this experience, this ends up in the comments. I think that's too bad because people are missing out on a really incredible tool for healing and for contact and for spiritual development and many reasons. And of course, you need to be responsible in terms of how you go into the decision to take something like ayahuasca because it is very profound. And it's very impactful, not for absolutely everyone, but definitely for, I would say, most people. So in any case, I had researched very carefully this place, and I ended up at this very bare bones, rustic, very enmeshed with the land kind of retreat center that was run by Peruvians, not Americans. So there's a lot of American-run retreat centers there that are a bit more trendy or faddish. If you go with the Peruvians, you're more likely to get someone who's from the lineage of shamans and who knows the history of how to use the plant properly and with respect to the plant. But they believe that it has a spirit, and so do I. I didn't believe that before I took it, though, or I wasn't sure. So anyway, I was really unhappy, and that is key because I think that for so many years, I've been trying really hard to get back to myself, to get back to this part of me that felt like the truest me, right? the part that was able to experience unusual things for whatever reason. That just is what felt right. And yet I was having a lot of difficulty doing that because I was so mired in my own. There was a bit of victim mentality going on. There was shame. There was guilt. There was resentment. There was anger. There was depression. There was just so many fun emotions. <laughs> I really was very deeply in all of that and was not in a place where I was feeling particularly positive. So 
the fact that I'd gotten to Peru felt so good and so connected to myself and to the land. Essentially, as soon as I got there, it was very encouraging for me. But I still went into the experience of the retreat, really having no expectations and absolutely no idea what was going to occur. So that's when I first met extraterrestrials. And the reason I think that's true is two things. One is that I had several things happen, which are too long to talk about, but I had several things happen prior to this experience that made me feel like something was coming or there was something that was trying to reach me. And yet I kept dismissing, that's nonsense, that's ridiculous, right? But I kept having that experience. And so ayahuasca is very powerful and so is one's ego and so is one's victim mentality and so is one's anger and resentment. That stuff is pretty hard to work with if you're glued to it or stuck to it in some way, which I was. I feel like I, the power of ayahuasca and the innately healing and transformative properties of and spirit of ayahuasca met this other challenge full on and just needed to bust through all of that stuff to be able to get to me, to help me with what I wanted, which was to be back in touch with myself again and to be back in touch with the universe and to be able to feel that expansiveness that I used to feel as a child. And so... I think that this is the way that it happened for that purpose. And the other reason that I think it's legitimate is they said to me at the end of the experience, they said, this is your invitation. And at the time I thought, wow, it's weird that I made that up. Why would I make that up? I thought it was me. I thought that I had created the whole experience. And that was another thing I was thinking, why, but why would I choose UFOs and ETs? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not involved in UFOs or ETs. I'm not in, at this point in 2017, in ufology at all. Not reading about it, not Googling it, not nothing, absolutely nothing. So why that? And so it just stuck with me. And then sure enough, in 2019, things really blew open. And that's when I realized that when they had said, this is your invitation, they meant it because they kept showing up in 2019. That was my huge awakening, which they validated for me in physical form several days later when I asked for it in an absolutely undeniable way. And then they've been in my life off and on ever since. How do you explain that? I've talked to a psychiatrist about it, a psychologist about it. There are people in my family who I know wouldn't have taken me seriously. And I was feeling like I needed to be able to take myself seriously. I have questioned myself so much about this and done so much reading and talked to so many people to make sure that I'm not creating this, right? And the fact is validation happens in a way that just tells me over and over again, no, this really is real. It really is happening. Plus meeting so many other experiencers and hearing their stories and the similarities with mine all around the world. It just makes more and more sense to me. I'm just trying to connect the dots here. So you had your ayahuasca experience and that was where things opened up, but there was something else that occurred there. Was that after that while you were still in Peru? So I was in Peru for three weeks. I had the ayahuasca experience there. And then where I was very briefly inside a UFO, met a whole bunch of extraterrestrials, had a conversation with them and a bunch of other things happened. But the main thing was I met extraterrestrials and they said to me, they were just extremely happy to see me. I think it was the excitement of knowing I could see them and that now we could communicate. That was the feeling. So yep. after that, went home to Toronto, 
spent a long time trying to integrate what had happened and trying to understand what had happened. But I was not believing that had actually occurred. I thought that I had made this up and this was somehow how my mind was expressing itself and that it was reminding me to be unusual and it was okay to be unusual. It was okay to be interested in outer space, like that kind of stuff. I didn't know how else to understand it at the time. So then got home, felt really great for quite a while. It really was an incredibly healing experience for me on the whole, being in Peru for those three weeks. Then I got depressed again because, of course, I was back in my life. Right? I was back in all the things that had stressed me out and made me tired. They were there. They were still there. So then in 2019, I was recovering from my second cochlear implant surgery. And so I'm deaf and I have two cochlear implants. The second surgery, it's, a, it's quite a big deal. They go into your inner ear system and they implant a little magnet and they thread a microfiber that has little elements on it through your cochlea. It's a whole complicated thing. It's amazing technology that I'm very grateful for. And so I had this surgery and I was recovering and I was dizzy pretty much 24-7 for about two weeks. So I couldn't do a lot. I was not able to be very physical because I was too dizzy. And I couldn't read because I was too dizzy. So I was watching movies. And I just got incredibly bored of that after a while and really wanted to see something different. And so I happened to stumble upon Bob Lazar and Area 51, a documentary that's made by Jeremy Corbell. Had never heard of Bob Lazar. Again, I was not in ufology at all. And I think I had even forgotten about my peril experience at this point. Because I'd gone right back into depression and right back into being unhappy. It was still in my mind somewhere, but it was not something I was actively thinking about at this point, two years later. And uh, the Peru experience was in July and August 2017. This was also in July in 2019. I watched the documentary, What Was Our in Area 51? It completely blew my mind. And this was my reaction to the film also surprised me how strongly I reacted to the film, how much I resonated with him and with also what he was talking about, how fascinated I was. I remember thinking to myself, why do I feel like this? This is interesting. I'm feeling so strongly about this, but I felt this excitement and was absolutely enthralled the entire time. And then as soon as the documentary is over, I crawled across the floor and turned it off and boom, had my awakening experience, which was inherently what felt like a whole bunch of, I, I believe, extraterrestrials. I couldn't see them. But I'll explain why I thought they were extraterrestrials. I just, first of all, in the moment, just knew, had this feeling of just knowing for absolutely no reason that these were extraterrestrials. I could hear them speaking to me. I knew there was a whole bunch of them. It was not an actual voice. It was vibratory or energetic language. And it is every single time. And it was also in download form between the ages of 9 and 11. It's just, it's vibratory, it's energetic, and it's a full, complete language. And I can understand what they were saying to me. And they said, okay, all right, it's time. We're here. We're going to wake you up. Like, you have a job to do. This is part of your life. It's always been part of your life. But now you really have to make it part of your life. And well, let's get going. That was essentially the message. And we're here to support you. We've always been with you. And a lot more than that. But that was really it. And it was this just extraordinary amount of energy, extraordinary amount of heart and care. And I have never had anything like that ever happen in my life ever before. And so I just knew it was real. I can't explain how or why. I just knew 
And so I took it seriously and I started going into, I became very, oh my God, and just not enthralled. It's the wrong word. I could not stop thinking about it. I really could not stop thinking about it. It had just, the expression I used is getting bonged over the head with a cosmic frying pan. It really felt like I had been bonged, like just bonged over the head, like reverberating through me with this new understanding that this was real and I could never look at myself or my life or reality the same way ever again. It was absolutely massive as an experience with this massive amount of energy and this massive presence. And so then I just went down the rabbit hole of researching and reaching out to people and asking for help and getting a lot of wonderful support from people who were leaders in the community, including the Honorable Paul Hellyer, who has unfortunately passed away, but he was the Minister of Defense for Canada in the 60s and 70s for a period of time. And he had been a UFO experiencer himself, and so he became active in ufology years after he left his post with the military. Anyway, we reached out to him. He validated that I was not crazy, basically. Like he said, this is not unusual. You are not alone in having an experience like this. But then all the same, a few days later, I started to work in this warehouse, marking piles and piles of booklets that were collected from students all over the country. And teachers were hired to mark these booklets for literacy data purposes and math as well. Something like two and a half weeks later, I had recovered from my surgery and I was starting this job. And the contrast between what I had been experiencing for the two and a half weeks prior, which was basically having my paradigm completely busted <laughs> and discovering a whole new world of information and experience that I had not even had a clue existed with any legitimacy to FUD reality, working in this warehouse, there's concrete everywhere, it's very low vibe, there's people chugging coffee, we're just doing a job for the government kind of thing. And it was just very like the daily grind feeling. And so a few days into this, three days into this job, which is now about three weeks after my experience, my awakening, I started getting worried about myself. And so I went home and that night after work, I was very upset. I really was very upset. I was concerned about my mental state. And so I talked to them and I don't think I've ever really done that before, but I just knelt down on my living room floor and genuinely spoke to them from my heart. And I just said, I need you to prove it to me that this happened because I feel like it's real. I feel like you're real. I really think this happened. I can't think of why I would make this up but I need you to prove to me that this is real. And the next day for 45 minutes between nine and 9.45 in the morning, every booklet that I took randomly off the shelf at the front of the room, anybody could just go up and grab any stack of booklets to mark. That morning and that morning only for 45 minutes, every single booklet that I opened in child handwriting, age 10 or 11, these are kids writing responses to a question it was not actually responses to the question at all. It was all about consciousness, portals, time travel, wow. free energy, flying cars, the earth is alive, there's an intergalactic council, extraterrestrial. It, I was absolutely shocked, shocked, booklet after booklet, in handwriting, in pencil. I could see it with my own eyes in front of me. I couldn't believe it. And I could not take photographs because it's government property. So I can't actually prove that this happened. But I ran to the bathroom and furiously texted some friends of mine who are activists in the community, ufology and CE5. 
and and they're lovely people and they're very grounded. I thought that then and I still think that now. And I texted them and I said, I just need to tell you this is happening because I cannot believe this. My arms are covered in goosebumps. Is this real? Can I just, I need you to tell me if this is real. And they were like, yeah, that kind of, that's what happens sometimes to some people. And so they heard you and they're validating your request. How else can I interpret that? There's no other way I could interpret that. I don't hallucinate ever. And so that was something that happened in broad daylight at nine o'clock in the morning to that ordinary person sitting in a wind. It was just, it still stuns me to this day. It was really something else. And it gave me so much encouragement. And so ever since then, sometimes, not always, but more and more, if I ask them, if I really ask them from my heart to show up, something will happen. I'll see a UFO and I'll know it's a UFO because it's, I know how to analyze and say, okay, that's not a UFO because it's an airplane. How do I know it's an airplane? Or how do I know it's a drone? Or how do I know it's a satellite? I don't want to make things up for myself. I want to know that what I'm experiencing is real, or if it's not real, that it's not real. Do you know what I mean? It's important to me to keep myself grounded in the authenticity of the weirdness, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. This reminds me, so this sort of doubting what you're seeing and what you're witnessing is, I'm sure that happens to so many people. I can't exactly remember. It was one of Whitley Strieber's books where he's talking about the, the key master or the master of the key. I can't pull up the web browser to look, but he had someone, he was in a hotel. He was like hiding out almost because like I mentioned before we started the recording, he'd become somewhat of a pariah and people were like pursuing him. And so he was hiding out in a hotel in the country and he had someone come into the hotel <clears throat> who we later on referred to as the, I think it was the key master and wrote a book about it, fascinating book. And initially he was thinking, what's one of the hotel stuff doing coming in here at 1.30 a.m. in the morning? Because it was really late and early in the morning. And then after a while he realized this person is not, he's not human. He looks human, but he's not. And he, even despite all of his experiences, he was still doubting that he wasn't hallucinating. And then he had to, he's, after the evidence started to stack up, he thought, okay, this is actually real. And I'm not going bonkers here. So I think that's, surely that's a pretty common experience for many people to doubt themselves because it's so far out of the norm. And yet so important to be open, I think, to letting those things in because essentially whether or not they're real, I think is not really the issue to me. It's the effect it has on you because any experience like that is going to crack open your sense of normal your sense of stability and what you're used to and usual. And that's really important for consciousness to develop. We have to be able to have those periods of popping out the door of our familiar reality to see what else is out there, because it's very important, I think. Of course, it's just my opinion. But I think it's very important that we have experiences that are challenging, whether it's in real life or not in, quote unquote, real life struggles, difficulties, they're awful, but they teach us something if we choose them, if we choose to allow them to, they always teach us something, if not anything else about our own strength and our own resilience and our ability to persevere and to survive, which I think often we don't really give ourselves enough credit for, generally speaking, as human beings. There are people who live in countries around the world right now who are surviving in circumstances I cannot fathom. 
And how much do we really recognize that? Like in, in the everyday, the fact that human beings have extraordinary ability to survive and to persevere. So whether or not it's something that we understand or we have answers for is not actually important to me. Just like it's not incredibly important to me that I see all my guides and I know exactly what they look like. That doesn't actually matter to me. What matters to me is the communication and the messages or the information and how they're helping me in my life. And that's how I know that also that this experience I'm having ongoing is legitimate because it's changing me in ways that I've always needed to change. It's helping me grow in ways I've needed to grow. It's making me a more connected person to myself and to what I really need in life and to be able to make a contribution to anybody else or anything else as well in a real way. That's such a good point. It's so easy to, when you hear of someone's experience, it's easy to go, how do we validate this? How do we actually prove this? And many people who have those experiences do go to great lengths to try to validate and prove their experience so that other people can have that. But I think you make a really good point is that how does it actually make you feel? How does it affect your life in a way that helps you grow? I'm just thinking the same thing when anybody who watches this interview, it's what sort of impact it is actually having on them. And I agree, that's the important piece. It's, it's less important that it be validated. Yeah, and I feel similarly about how physical we are about everything. Like, to me, this is, my body is not me and your body is not you. This is the container that we're traveling around in this life. This is my concept, right? So therefore, it makes any judgments that we have about each other's physicality inherently ridiculous because mm. things like racism, sexism, ableism, whatever it is, making judgments about another person based purely on their physical appearance is such a ridiculous concept because the person is not their body. It's the energy. It's what's inside the body that counts. And to me, it's that same sort of idea. Does that make sense, that comparison? Yeah, that's a really great point. I just made a note here about CE6, or sorry, CE5 presentation mm -hmm. and the energy merge. Can you tell us about that story? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that experience is really huge. I'm still actually digesting that one in some ways. This was in August of 20, 2021. Excuse me. <clears throat> yes, it was August 2021. So there's a pattern so far, a really big energy or energetic experiences happening almost exactly two years apart. The first one was July, late July, early August, 2017. Then the second one was late June, early July, 2019. And then this was late July, early August, 2021. So what happened was Grant Cameron, who I was assisting at the time, invited me to assist him on a presentation because he was the keynote speaker at an event that was being held in Illinois, run by some people that we knew. And so we traveled there together and there were a series of talks throughout the day on different topics, actually over two days on different topics. It's a terrific event called the Worldwide Met Metaphysical Tribe. And he was gonna be speaking and I was gonna do this little presentation about Sasquatch. And so I did that. And I remember feeling a bit on that day and there were a couple of things that were just a little bit unusual for me to experience, such as having difficulty speaking, like actually speaking, like talking, getting my voice out of my mouth. And so 
<clears throat> I couldn't figure out what that was. I thought, am I getting some kind of bug? Was my throat starting to act up? It was a little bit of a strange moment. So there were a couple things that happened. No big deal. Anyway, later on that afternoon at two o'clock began this presentation by two CE5 experts and leaders in the CE5 field. CE5 is close encounters of the fifth kind. And it tends to be a circle of people who come together with the purpose of making contact with extraterrestrials, usually through ships, but contact can happen in different ways. So ships will appear, is what I mean. So we were going to have this presentation at this event with an audience of 50 to 60 people in the middle of the afternoon, in the middle of the summer in Illinois, in this space that was essentially outdoors. So it was a covered space and it was set up as if it was a room, but there were no walls. <clears throat> so there was garden all the way around us. And right in front of me, there was a very tall evergreen hedge about 20 feet away from where I was sitting. And Grant was sitting right beside me. So at about three o'clock, and I have this very weird pattern of threes happening with a lot of my paranormal experiences. I'm not sure why. It just has happened like that. So this is one example. Right around three o'clock, halfway through the presentation, I had this very strong feeling to, as if almost somebody was calling me to look over here. And so I looked over, but where I felt like I was being directed to look was right in front of me. And all I could see was this evergreen hedge. So I just thought, okay, that was weird. I got distracted and I looked back at the presentation, which was about 45 degree angle to my right. And so I'm watching the presentation, but again, I get this feeling, look over here. And so I looked over and then I start seeing this very slight sort of misty texture in front of the hedge. And I'm looking at it and I really feel like I'm, I have to look at this, even though I want to be polite, I want to be respectful and look at the presentation. And I'm very obviously looking away from it, but I really felt compelled. And so I'm looking and I'm seeing gradually this mist, which is very just like it almost, it started almost like a sort of sparkle over the surface, the dark green background of the hedge. And then it became over a few seconds, I think, the misty filled in misty outline of this very tall being that was about seven, maybe eight feet tall very thin torso, long, thin arms, long, thin legs. And I could see everything. I could see the full detailed outlet, outline of the body, the head, the neck, everything. Wow. So first of all, I'm just sitting there really like having difficulty believing that I'm seeing this. And I actually pinched myself and I also was talking to myself like, is this really happening? Am I really seeing this? Do a reality check. So I look around the room and I look back at it. And it's still there. So I can't think of a reason why this is happening. And I've never had anything like this happen before either. Right? This being materializes and is just standing there in this very calm but strong pose, arms just down at its side, feet planted, and it's directly in my line of sight facing me. And then I hear in my head, this is an energy merge. And I immediately think, that's weird. Why did I just think that? And then right after that, it was as if I was being blasted by a water cannon of energy. It was just this really massive amount of energy being beamed at me. That's what it felt like. And yet I wasn't afraid. It was very intense. I started to lose a little bit of, at first it was a little bit of my vision of what was actually around me. I started to lose my ability to see clearly what was around me and the air quality changed. This is something I found out later, common for experiencers, that the air became like water or 
I don't know, there was a substance to it. It became thicker somehow and everything just slowed down. And my body felt totally different. And I was also very numb. And my whole body was buzzing, just buzzing and buzzing and vibrating and reverberating with this energy. Huge, indescribably strong energy. And that went on for the next hour. And then by the end of the presentation, an hour later, my friend Kim, who was one of the people giving the presentation, I figured out by then that something was wrong because she saw me just basically staring at a hedge for an hour, <laughs> black jawed, just like this. And so she came over and yelled in front of me and said, are you okay? And I couldn't really talk. My jaw was really numb and I just felt so strange and everything was reverberating with this incredible energy. And I managed to get a few things out after a minute to tell her, can you help me? you help me move from this spot? Because people were starting to get up and move around and I could not interact with anyone. There was absolutely no way that I could have a conversation. So she helped me make my way a few steps away. And I was really having to check for the surface of the ground. Like I felt like the ground wasn't really there. It was a very funny experience. And so then I went into this gazebo with her, which was covered by ivy. And so it was private. And she was wonderful and supportive. Her name is Kimberly Marie Port. She's a leader in CE5 and a wonderful person. And she was so supportive. Stayed with me and she said, once my body started unfreezing, essentially, I was able to get out a little bit more of what had happened and describe it to her. And I was doing what you would do if you had been to the dentist and been given a freezing agent. And then you're stretching your mouth out, trying to loosen your muscles up and get them going again. I was doing that while I was talking. And so I explained to her essentially what had happened. And she said to me, that sounds like an energy merge. So I said to her, can you please remember that you said that? Because that's literally what I heard in my head an hour ago. And I don't know what an energy merge is. So then she explained to me why it sounded like an energy merge. I'd never heard of such a thing. I'd never knew that something like that existed before this. Also, near the end of this experience, I started seeing in my mind these really strong images that I felt were representing what was occurring energetically around me. So one thing was that there was this bright column of light that was coming from far up above me, going straight through my body and going down into the earth. And I had the feeling that everybody has this. Everyone has this connection to what's above and below in, in an infinity sort of way, like we're all connected She's something huge. That was the feeling I had. And so it was this bright column of light going straight through my body. And then also seeing the energy running up from all my extremities and swirling into my chest as if my chest was a whirlpool. So all this energy was being sucked up into my chest. And I could see this in my mind. And in my mind, the light in my chest was orangey yellow or mostly yellow. And then I also saw this light from somewhere off in front of me that was being directly in my third eye. And so I'm just seeing all of this occurring in my mind and just making my way through it step by step, still feeling this massive amount of energy. So it really took several hours before it completely wore off. And I ended up falling asleep for a couple of hours as well, during which, just before which, the being appeared again, but this time he's in my room and kind of at the end of my bed. And I didn't, I couldn't see all of it. It was just the shoulders and the head. And it was a very pleasant, friendly feeling. And then I fell asleep for two hours, got up with three minutes to spare before Grant's presentation and ran out to where he was presenting, still in the midst of this, right? Thinking about this, somehow assisted him for that hour. I don't know what I said or did, but I did. I made my way through it. 
And then later that night, there was a C5 with a whole bunch of people from the event out in this dark graveyard or beside this graveyard in the dark. And there was a photograph taken of me with what looks like a little being standing right beside me. And also this really bright light coming out of my chest. And there's no explanation for why either of those things look the way they do in that photograph. It's not explained by any light reflective surfaces. I didn't have a phone on my chest. I didn't have a piece of jewelry on my chest. I was not wearing glasses there. I've had people ask me everything about this. Did you have this or was it that? But I had it analyzed by someone I know who works at Getty Images. They couldn't explain it. And also a professional photographer friend of mine couldn't explain it either. So I don't know what it is, but it seems very interesting that would show up right after I'd had that experience earlier in the day. It just seemed a bit funny, the consistency. And so I really felt like that being was there beside me because I was still very much feeling their presence during that C5, really still feeling that energy. It will sometimes stay with me for days when that kind of thing happens. In this case, it was hours. And then, yeah, just after that, tried to gradually understand what might have happened. But I still have really no idea. All I know is that it was deliberately done to me to help me somehow. It's like another chin-up. That's what I got. It sounds like you had another chin-up, but a more extreme version. Yes. Yeah. It was exhausting, but also really felt really good in a way. And I felt like I was somehow being given a lot of support in terms of my development, but I don't specifically know what it was or what it was for. Do you have the photo on your computer, Sinead? I do have it on my computer. Some will take a minute to find it. So... The first photo that you'll see, there's three different ones that I'm, I'm showing here. The first one is the original photograph. And so it's a random point and shoot. And what had happened was we were in a C5 circle. So there was a circle of white chairs. And you're going to see the very far edge of the circle in this photograph. And in the background, you can see a cemetery. And you can also see some trees. So it looks like it's daylight but it was not at all. It was very dark. There was a faint yellowish light that was coming from a parking lot lamp that was a distance away. And if you look really closely at this photograph, you can see that there's night sky stars. There's stars in the sky. It really was nighttime. It was very dark. We could barely see each other across the circle. And so this photograph was taken during a break in the proceedings when actually I had come into the circle a little bit late with Grant because he and I had been talking about what had occurred with the energy merge. And I needed to eat and I was starving after the energy merge happened. I was absolutely ravenously hungry. I was eating this huge plate of pasta and talking to Grant about what had happened. And, and so then we were a little bit late, about 15 minutes late or so, 20 minutes maybe, to the CE5 circle. So when we walked into the circle, again, it's really dark, and I don't think people on the other side of the circle knew that it was us that were coming in. But when we started getting close to the circle, people started exclaiming, making sounds and saying, oh, there's a really big energy that's suddenly come into the circle. There's this really big energy that's suddenly come in. And I'm not hearing any of this, by the way. This is all told to me later because I can't really hear in the dark. It's funny. People can't see in the dark. I can't hear in the dark. I have to be able to see people. I have to be able to see their faces, their, their lip movements, their facial expressions, their body language in order to really have full context of what's being said. And I need to be able to match the sounds that I'm hearing with what I'm seeing on the mouth. And so in the dark, I can't do that. 
So I could hear people's voices, but I had no idea what was being said. And so I completely missed this whole part. And because people were exclaiming about this energy, this big energy coming into the circle unexpectedly, Marcel, the guy who was leading it, who had been one of the co-presenters of the C5 presentation that afternoon where the energy merge actually happened. He's now, it's hours later, and he's now leading the C5 circle. He was feeling it too, this energy. So he said, okay, everybody, let's take a break. And because you're all getting distracted by this feeling and let's investigate it. Let's just take our cameras, whatever kind of camera you have, and just take photographs of what's around you. And we'll just see if anything emerges. So that was the context. And so this woman who I didn't know took this photograph. And I, and then after she took it, she came up to Grant and I, and you can see in the foreground, you can see Grant sitting there with his chair slightly bent back and his head is turned away from the camera. He's talking to me who is on the other side of him and his arm is up. He's moving his arm around while he talks. So that is the first photograph. And so the woman who took it immediately came over and told us that she was seeing this funny light and something standing beside me. And I didn't hear it because I couldn't hear in the dark. So again, this is something I was not aware of until Grant told me something like half an hour later with a flashlight in front of his face. So I could see his lips. And then I said, oh. And so I ran after the woman and asked to see the photograph and asked her to send it to me. And then the second photograph is a close-up of Grant and I sitting in the chairs. So Grant is again in the foreground. His face is turned away from the camera. And I'm be. I'm behind him from the viewer, from the viewer's perspective right now. My chair is back a little further than his. I'm wearing a pink sweater, so you can see my shoulder behind his chair. And then my arm is straight up in the air. And on my chest is a very bright light and with tendrils coming out of it. And so here is the very close-up version, which is my arm raised. And this little being, or what looks like a little being, standing right in front of my hand. So you can see a head shape, an eye, the neck, the shoulder. It's very small. It's the same height as most people say little greys are, or a lot of little beings are. Yeah, it's interesting. And apparently, there's a lot of other faces in this image as well, the larger original image, that I can't see, but other people have, including Barbara, who has decades-long experience of working with experiencers, hearing their stories, seeing photographs, and she said that this is legitimate. So I don't know. It just seems oddly coincidental considering how I was feeling, that I was still feeling the reverberations of this very strong energy that the being had come with the energy merge hours earlier. And in my visualization near the end of the energy merge, I saw this very bright light in my chest. There's a very bright light on my chest in this photograph. That's not explainable. Plus this little being standing next to me and I have experience with ETs. And also that's something else. Before this event, I was seeing ET faces, gray faces in the clouds a lot outside my apartment. Very detailed, clear ET faces. It happened two or three days before I left for the event. And I was just looking at them going, okay, ET faces. Okay, what do I do with this? Because it's usually some kind of a message. And then this event occurred and it made me realize that they were saying, hello, this is going to happen. 
there's something that's going to occur involving us. So they were giving me a little bit of a heads up that I was not understanding it, or at least that's the way I translate it. I don't know how else to make sense of that. So it was a pretty interesting experience, just the fact that this photograph was taken, what it shows, but also it does line up perfectly with what I had experienced earlier that day. And I didn't take that picture. I haven't done anything to alter it. It's the original photograph with a lighter filter over it to be able to see more clearly what was in the dark in the photograph. But mm. that was done by the woman who took it. I have not made any alterations whatsoever. So it's intriguing for sure. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, the, I could definitely see the figure. I showed it to my wife and she goes, what? So do you think that the being that you encountered there was one of those beings that appeared, was it back in 2019 in your lounge room? Oh, gosh, I really don't know. The fact that it showed up physically the way that it did with that physicality. I mm. did talk to Grant about it because he was there with me and I asked him what he thought. And he said that it's there's different types of grays and it sounded most similar to this type of gray that is very tall and thin. Mm. And because it had the bit of a bulbous head, not really super bulbous, a little bit, just a little bit there. Yeah, I don't know. I've asked them to show me who they are. I've asked them to show up. I've asked to actually meet them. And that's, at, okay, so that's actually part of the story. I had been asking them to meet them. I had been saying for about two months before August 2021 in Illinois, before the energy merged. I, and, and then I was laughing at myself about it afterwards because it was like, be careful what you wish for. It was so incredibly intense. And I do not regret it, but it was incredibly intense. <laughs> So for about two months before that, I had been talking to them and saying, I think I might do better to meet you. I trust you. I've always only had positive experiences with them. So I said, I trust you. You can show up in the way that you feel is most appropriate for me, but I would really like to see you or meet you. It's not essential. It doesn't absolutely have to happen, but I would love it if that's okay with you. That's basically what I was saying. So then lo and behold, I go to this event and this happened. There were other things too. For example, I was teasing Grant quite a lot at the time about having his number be 1111 because he's not really into numerology. And I had this number pattern of threes that was happening so dominantly, especially around that time. Again, because it happens in phases. So I've been teasing him about it. <laughs> we got to the B&B &B where he had a room and I had a room and everybody, it was not a very large place. So people had their individual rooms at what seemed like this house. But there were little key hats in front of every door so that you had a lock on your door. You had to punch in your code. Well, Grant's code was 1111. That's the code that was given to him. <laughs> so there were just little things like that that were happening as well that were making both of us laugh and go, huh. And so I had this feeling like something was going to happen. And I just, I had that the week before I went. I even told friends of mine. And then later on, got back from Illinois and was telling them about it. And they said, so did something happen? <laughs> I was like, let me tell you. Plus, when I got back from Illinois, this is the part I did not talk about in Jeff Morrow. There just wasn't enough time. Five days after I got back, I was sitting having a Zoom with two friends of mine, one of whom had been a presenter at the event, and the other had been the person who organized the event where this energy merge thing happened. And I was talking to them, and I was telling them about what had occurred because I hadn't been able to explain it. There was just too much going on. I needed time to process, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm talking to them about it. And as I'm telling them the story of what occurred, my phone goes bing. And this message shows up on Facebook. And it's from a medium, a psychic, actually. 
who I had never spoken with in person. Have you heard this? Did you hear this somewhere no, before? No, no. So this was really bizarre. And this is the kind of validation that I'm telling you. It just makes me feel over and over again. Okay, this is real. I'm not nuts. This really is happening. So five days later, talking to my friends, telling the story, my phone goes off. I pick up, I say, oh, I'm sorry, which I don't normally do. I don't normally let my phone distract me from attention I'm giving people. I generally think that's rude, unless it's important, right? But I have this feeling I should look at it. And so I said, I'm really sorry. Hang on a second. I'm just going to look at this message. And they witnessed me going, oh, my God, because what it was a message from this psychic who's now a friend of mine, because this event that happened connected us. It was too weird. The message from her, I had never had a conversation with her. I had never spoken with her or met her or had any one-on-one -on -one interaction with her, except a Zoom event that she had for people who were interested in psychic ability. And she was leading it, but there was 10 other people in the group. So I had never communicated with her one-on-one. -on -one. And she sends this message saying to me, hi, I know we don't really know each other. I'm really sorry. We were connected on Facebook. I'm really sorry. I hope you don't mind, but I have to give you this message. And it, it has this otherworldly feeling, she says to me. And it was a message that was directly in line with what had happened, the energy merge and what I had experienced and the thoughts and feelings I had about it and the conversation I had with Grant about it. It was 100% in line with that. And so I just could not believe it. Again, I couldn't believe it. I still get surprised by these things when they happen. So I immediately told my friends they couldn't believe it. Because they had been there. They had seen and heard about what had happened, but hadn't gotten all the details, which is why I was telling them. And it was just insane. And then that happened two more times. That has happened two more times since. Most recently, when at the very beginning of May, I went to a UFO conference in New York, a really good UFO conference. It's very small, but excellent. Very good quality information. And so I went there the first night that I arrived. This funny little thing happened where I had asked them to show up and say hello them. Right. If they felt like it, I said, it would be great. I'm going to this event. It's all about you guys. I'll be thinking about you. It's been a while since we've been in touch. I would love to get something from you. And then it's I just almost left. tradition, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no expectations went. And the very first night that I got there, I got to my hotel room very late and I was tired. It was about midnight and I was ready to just go to sleep, but something made me turn on the TV. And on the TV was the menu of what was playing. And one of those items was the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. So I instantly saw that really famous scene where she arrives in the other dimension and she's on a beach that isn't really a beach. And there's her father that isn't really her father coming down the beach. And then they have the most significant conversation in the whole film. And I saw that whole scene in my mind. And then I turned to the film and that exact scene had just started playing. And I thought, that's too weird. <laughs> so I felt, hi guys. I just felt like it was a hello from them because the fact that I would be the day before going, the night before going to a UFO conference, contact would be on TV. Then I see that scene in my mind. And then that's the exact scene that's playing on television from the minute that it started. It was just too funny. And so I felt like that was them saying, hello, maybe it wasn't, but I feel like it was. I don't know how else to explain that little string of coincidences. Yeah. And, then, and then a couple of days after I got back from the conference, I got a message from my psychic friend who was validating again what I had experienced. It was really, it's really something how it occurs. It is really something. And it's really fun. And it's also really expansive and exciting and wonderful in many ways that are very meaningful to me.
But it's also important, really important to stay grounded in this reality and not get too caught up because both are real. And we have to straddle both, I think, in order to handle it all effectively. I was just thinking when you asked for one of the visitors to show up, my first inclination was they had to do the energy merge to lift your vibration high enough so that you could see them and that they actually exist in a at a vibration level that we gen we just can't see normally then that's why they had to do that so that you could actually see that but the effect would only last for a certain period of time that was the first thing i thought of yeah that yeah that would make sense to me that they were helping me level up vibrationally or something so that i could have more contact i really hope so i hope i have more and more i hope i have it for the rest of my life i really do you're almost due aren't you because it's like middle of june 2023 you're saying it's every two years so should be pretty yep. soon. We'll see what um, happens. If something happens, I will let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear it. All right. So people are probably going to have questions. Maybe you'll come back for a live stream. I often have guests come back for that. But if anyone wants to ask you questions, is that something that you're open to? And what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So they can email me. That's really the best way to do it. It's my first name, Sinead, S-I-N-E-A-D. And then my middle initial A and my last initial W. So Sinead, A-W at gmail.com. All right, cool. And do you have any final messages for people who are watching this interview, Sinead? Oh, what's coming to the top of my head is be curious. Be curious. Keep learning. Keep being curious. Keep exploring. Because it's really important in so many different ways to do that. Not just for the paranormal or for extraterrestrials or for cosmic topics, but just for ordinary human life, I think it's really important in terms of connecting with each other in a really meaningful, heart-based, compassionate, non-judgmental way to, to be genuinely curious about each other rather than judging or rather than seeing each other as being separate, to be curious and to ask about other people's experiences of life. So... Yeah, I think I would leave it at that. It may seem like a small, obvious thing, but to me, curiosity is incredibly important and a willingness to be adventurous within that curiosity as well. Sinead, thank you for that message. And thank you also for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me, Rod. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.